Certainly we're talking about the vision of this house, the vision of this church. But I would like for you to maybe uh, maybe make this personal today. And think about your vision and the vision God has for you and your future and your life and your family and your home, your marriage, your children. Life with vision is powerful. Life, living life with vision is a powerful thing. But can I just tell you that life without vision is perishing. If I have no vision, I am perishing with vision People excel beyond the norm. They, they, they do what otherwise they couldn't do without vision. Vision lifts the lid of our faith. Vision breaks all of the barriers in our lives when we can see it, when we have vision. It helps us to achieve what would otherwise be impossible, at least within, at least within the context of our current reality and whatever it is that we are living right now. Not only should we celebrate life with vision, It ought to scare us to death to think about living life without vision. Because the Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, the the original King James Version says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Without vision, people die, even when they're living. Do you know anybody like that? I don't believe there's anybody in this room that lives their life that way. But but there are those who are walking around and they literally are not living. They're breathing, they're walking, they, they have life in their body, but they are not living their life. I want to challenge all of us today to be alive as long as we're living. To be alive as long as we're living. That same verse Proverbs 29, 18, in the New King, New King James, it says, where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. The problem with most of our life, most of, most of the issues that we see in society today, if you can boil it all down to ultimately a lack of vision. Because without vision, people live life aimlessly. Without vision, people lack discipline in their life. People, they'll begin to drink too much. They'll begin to eat too much. They'll, they'll not take care of themselves. Without vision, people are, become just way too passive about everything in life. They'll sit around and play video games way too long. They'll gamble too much. They'll spend too much time on social media. Hello. Everybody say, no, not me. They spend too much time talking about nothing and doing nothing. Without vision, people will begin to criticize other people way too much. They just begin to meddle in stuff in areas that they don't need to. See, their life's not that interesting anymore, so they have to make it interesting by messing with somebody else's life. Ouch. Again, I'm talking about all those people that didn't come to church here today. I'm sharing the message with you so you can go share it with them. Without vision, people act as if, and they live their life as if the world owes them something. Without vision, people begin to live with a sense of entitlement. And all of this stuff, it comes from simply a lack of vision. And as powerful as life with vision is, at its best, life without vision is a slow death. A life void of vision 
is a perishing life. Without vision, people perish. Without vision, people cast off restraint. Whatever feels good, they do it. Whatever they want to do, they just do that. They just go with the flow. They never stand up to it. They, they never live purposeful. They don't live on purpose lives. They just cast off restraint. And so today we're talking about developing vision in our lives. If you don't already have a vision for your life, I want to encourage all of us to begin to develop a vision, begin to see a vision birth in our hearts and lives. We're talking about not just developing vision, but also maintaining vision in our lives and about the power of vision and how it can truly and literally activate things in our lives that otherwise wouldn't. Genesis chapter 13, this is when God begins to speak vision into Abram's life. Chapter 13, verse 14, it says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and to your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through through its length and through its width, for I give it to you. This whole text here, this whole message, this whole word from God to his servant Abram was simply a vision casting statement. The first thing that we notice and we see in this vision casting text is this. He's telling Abram, he's saying, lift up your eyes from the place where you are right now. Lift up your eyes from your current reality. Vision is always started and it is always stirred by being able to see something outside of the context of our current reality. That's how vision begins. That's how it's stirred. That's how it started. And the current reality for Abram in Genesis 13 was that he had been a nomad from the Ur, from Ur of the Chaldeans. He didn't have a big beginning. He didn't have a lot of glamour surrounding him whenever he started this journey. He was a nomad from Ur. He was like the third part of the old frog Budweiser commercial. Some of you, it just just dawned on you. You remember that one. But, wise, Ur. Nomads, they were wandering herdsmen. And they would move into a fertile area of land or property and, and they would eat up all of the fruit and, and everything that was, that was living there and everything that was available. And, and they would exhaust the land of all things that were there and that it had. They were consumers. That's what they were. They were consumers. And when everything was gone and they had picked, they had picked over everything that was good and fruitful there, then they would simply pick up their tents and they would begin to move to another area and just repeat the whole process over again. That's what nomads were. They were wandering herdsmen. So try to get a picture with me, if you will, of the current reality for Abram as he begins to receive this revelation, as he begins to receive this vision from God. He was experiencing a revelation, a vision of a life that no one else around him was living. This was a foreign concept to Abram, but it was a vision from God. A life that was that, where he would actually be able to 
own land, his own land, and he would be able to cultivate that land. And then rather than just being a consumer, now he could actually begin to be a farmer. And, and, and he wouldn't be moving and traveling anymore. He wouldn't be going from this from this pasture land to that one, but having all kinds of land that he owned himself and that he could cultivate himself. In that day, you could develop great wealth even being a nomad. In fact, in fact, the Bible tells us that Abram had acquired great wealth and riches in livestock and gold and silver. But as but as he would begin to acquire land and develop and corporate and cultivate that land this is where when you did that that's where you could begin to invest in something invest in something that would create wealth not just for you but generationally i i believe that it's god's intent for us to bless our children and our children's children, to build up an inheritance to give. I'm not just talking about natural things. I'm not just talking about material things. I'm not just talking about a, a, a savings account or, or money. I'm talking about the things that really matter. So this would, this whole idea of, of establishing himself somewhere and, and having his own land and cultivating something that would carry on from generation to generation, this was a foreign concept to a nomad from Earth. So God is giving him a revelation. And it's a revelation of no longer being a wandering herdsman. Of no longer being a nomad. Now you're going to be established. Now you're going to cultivate something for yourself. Now you're going to establish an inheritance for your children and your children's children. But instead of being a person... Instead of being a person who would just travel from place to place with no clear vision... Now he would be one who would own his own land cultivate that land and create wealth on that land. But it all started right here in this text that we just read. It all started where God is saying, lift up your eyes from the from the place that you are right now. Lift up your eyes from your current reality. I want you to think differently than anyone around, anyone else around you is thinking. I want to show you something that no one else has been able to see before so that you can do something that no one else has ever done before. I'm going to give you the power to create a future that no one else around you has. I believe that God wants every one of us to be able to see something outside of the context of our current reality. To see beyond the place that we are. Honestly, whether that is a good place or whether that is a bad place, certainly if life's not good right now, certainly if everything looks very bleak in your life right now, I want to encourage you today that tomorrow is greater. If we'll just open up our eyes, open up our ears and our heart to hear and receive what God is saying, there is a greater day for you. Your latter days will be greater than your past. I can promise you that. And and we can embrace that, I hope, today and, and find that vision today. But I want to tell you something. It's equally as dangerous to fall into a place of complacency in a good place in life. Well, everything is good right now. All the bills are paid. Everybody seems to be healthy. And now we're just going to coast along for a little while. Everything is, I don't want to, I don't want to rock or, 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 or knock over the apple cart or anything right now because everything's just pretty good right now. So I just kind of want to stay on this plane for a while. That's dangerous too because even in that place, we can lose vision. So whether it's bad or whether it's good, I believe God's intent for us is to look beyond our current reality. To see something that we don't see right now. God wants us to have vision, to have revelation. He wants us to see opportunity. He wants us to see potential outside of the current living conditions that we're in right now. Abram was a man of faith. 
But his reality right here in this text, his reality is pretty small. But God was speaking something big into his life. The reality for Henry Ford, when he began his journey, when God, I'm going to say it was God that birthed the vision in Henry Ford. I thank God for that vision in Henry Ford because today we're not, we're not going around in horse and buggy anymore because there was a vision that was given to him. But see, in Henry Ford's reality, in the day, in the moment where he received a vision, everybody was in horse and buggy. That was something that no one had ever even thought of before. That was something that no one could ever even imagine in their minds or in their hearts. Can I tell you the reality for Bill Gates as a high school teenager? The reality for him is that the only computers were these giant machines that literally filled up massive closets and rooms in major uh, corporate settings. That was the reality. That was his reality. To even learn about computers. He, he, he would have had to have gotten permission from his high school to be able to go and, and spend time in some of these companies and in their, in their settings. That was his reality and explore these big massive rooms with all these humongous machines everywhere. Vision said, for Bill Gates though, Vision said, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if there could be a computer in every person's home? I can't imagine that. Look at this massive thing. It it takes all of this to run. And you think you're going to put one of these in every home? But that was his reality at the time. And today, today, yeah, every one of us have uh, a computer in our home because somebody had vision beyond their current reality. Not only do we all have computers in our home, every one of us have a a massive computer on our person right now. You're literally holding a computer. There's one sitting on CeCe's leg right now that he's taking notes on. That, That little bitty thing that you're holding in your pocket or in your hand right now, it has more power, it holds more memory than those massive machines in those big old rooms and those companies held that many years ago. That was Bill Gates's reality at the moment, but he lifted his eyes from where he was. It was outside of the context of his current reality. I'm talking about vision today. Many of you might know the story of a great man in the Bible by the name of Nehemiah. His home city was Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was in ruins, and he's now living in a faraway land, and he's been blessed, and life's been good to him. And he has a great position, and he's serving the king where he is. And he gets a message. Nehemiah gets a message that things are not well at home. Things are not good in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's not doing well at all. They're having economic challenges and problems. The walls are beginning to crumble, and the enemy is coming in, and they're stealing, and they're robbing. And it's a horrible place to be right now. You don't want to come to Jerusalem. It's a rough place and it's hard and life is not good. And his heart goes out to his homeland. His heart goes out to his people in Jerusalem. And then he began to activate something. Nehemiah began to get a vision from where he was. Uh, It was it was far beyond the current reality of Jerusalem. And he began to share that vision with the king. And then he went and talked to other people about it. And they got behind the vision. And then he went to Jerusalem and he secured some resources. And he began to share the vision with the people. And the people began to get excited. And they started rebuilding the walls. And they, and they started saying things like this. Our city is going to have a comeback. Our, our economy is going to have a comeback. Things are going to get better. I think Nehemiah started handing out red hats that said, make Jerusalem great again. I just believe that's probably what happened. 
That's not an endorsement for Trump. That's just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But where did it all start? It started in one man's heart, a vision, thinking beyond the context of his current reality, lifting up his eyes from where he was. We're not supposed to live constrained by our current reality. God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. I just believe that God's people ought to be the most visionary people on the planet. We of all people should have faith to believe that our God can do anything. We ought to be able to believe for the impossible. I just believe that that's what we as people of faith are supposed to be able to do. If we, if we can't do that, we just become thermos, thermometers. We just tell what the temperature is. I talked a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, I don't know about the little commercial that was going around about some kind of alarm company or whatever, and, and, and the way they advertised it was the other companies. There's a guy standing in the living room, and the house is on fire, and the guy says, your house is on fire. And say, so, well, do something about it. Call the fire department. Put the fire out. Grab a blanket. Grab water, whatever. Well, I don't do any of that. I just tell you that the house is on fire. That's the only thing I do. I just alarm you of things. That's what a, th- that's what a thermometer does. You put a thermometer in your mouth or you look at the thermometer on the wall, it's just telling you what the temperature is in the room. It can't do anything. It has no power. But the thermostat, on the other hand, the thermostat will dictate what's going on. The ther- when I'll go over there and the thermostat will tell that unit back there, this is what you're fixing to do. You're fixing to cool the house down. You're fixing to warm things up. The thermostat can actually do something. And I believe it's God, as God's people, we're supposed to be thermostats in this world. We don't just go around saying it's bad, it's bad, it's really bad, it's going to get worse, it's going to be, it's awful, it's horrible. Trump this and the Democrats this and whatever else, it's just terrible, it's bad, we're going to hell in a handbasket. We're just thermometers when we do that. But whenever we can walk into a situation and say, this is what the Word of God says, this is what truth is, and we're going to see a change in our lives, in our home, in our world. I'm not careful, I'm going to start jumping around. Faith is literally seeing things that are not as though they are. Hebrews tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that I can't see right now. Great things can happen with vision that can never happen without vision. We can be stuck right where we are and live our life out in a vision-less way, or we can elevate out of our current reality and begin to prayerfully consider that God wants to do something great and mighty in our future, in our lives, and in that place we can boldly declare that I'm going to lift up my eyes from where I am. I'm going to lift up my eyes from my current reality. I'm not going to stay here any longer. God is doing something fresh, and God is doing something new in my life and for my future. The next thing we see in this text is that Abram, he wasn't even a father. He had no children at this point when this conversation is taking place between him and God. And guess what else? His wife was barren. She could have no children. And then God comes along and he begins to talk to him about offspring. That Abram's descendants are going to be like the dust of the earth. And that his family tree is going to be huge. And the reality for Abram was, I'm not even a father. And my wife can't even have children. 
And so my second point today, first, yes, we do have to look up. We have to have, have the tenacity and the will to be able to lift our eyes from our current reality and the place that we are to see and have vision. But number two, we have to see ourselves as God sees us. This is probably the most important part of the day. This is the 2% that I hope we all get today. We have, if we're going to live out the vision that God has for our lives, we have to first and foremost see ourselves as God sees us. When we see ourselves as he sees us, we can begin to do what he wants to do through our lives. But until we see ourselves as he does, we're going to stop the process of how God can work through our lives. So Abram, he's not a father, and God tells him he's going to be a father of many. You're not going to be able to count the number of descendants. Here's what I love about Abram, though. This is what just, I have, man, I have so much respect for this man of God, this father of our faith, for this one reason. There was no precedence before this. There was no God showing out. he, He didn't even know. And somehow, some way, he was able to push through any doubt. He was able to push through his current reality. And by faith, he was able to embrace how God saw him. Isn't that amazing? And you and I, we have no excuse because we've seen God work. We've seen how he does. We've seen how he can take nothing and make something great out of it. We've seen that, but Abram didn't have that. And somehow he was able to look at his current reality and everything in his current reality said that will never happen. That can never be. But somehow he was able to push through that and he saw his life and he saw himself through the truth of God's word and what God said about him. Not only... Did Abram not have natural born children after that? He did. But today, most of the major religions in our world today, not just Christianity, they all view Abram as the father of their faith. He is the father of many. And this is what was spoken over him in Genesis 13 when he had no children and his wife was barren. So many of us today sit here and we say things like, I'm not this, and I'm not that. And we've continued to say what we're not to the extent that we're actually, we're actually leaving no room to become something that God says that we are. Because we're so, fi- we're so filled with the not. I'm not this, and I'm not that. There, there is one, I call him a hero in our community today. I, I see that he's not able to be in church today, but... But he is, he is one that I admire so greatly, and, and he's kind of one of the unspoken heroes in our community. And that's Coach Whitney McCartney. I see Queenie sitting over here today, and uh, I've watched what this guy has done in, in, in the, with these young men that's coming through his football program. He's coaching uh, Franklin Parish High School football team, and I, I've watched it firsthand. And, and I've seen how he's, he's investing his life and pouring into these young men who come from, from just very, most of them, Awful situations. No father at home. Uh, 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 other things that I don't even want to mention today that I know some of these men are having to deal with at home. And they come into that school and here's a man who truly cares about who they are. And he sees something in them that they don't even see themselves. And he's pouring into their lives. And he's pouring God's truth into their life. I've sat with, watched where they, as he's, as he's done this in some, some kind of some secret settings where he just, he's pouring God's word into their life. And it's amazing because he sees something in them that they don't see. He's wanting them to see themselves as God sees them. 
He's wanting a shift to take place in their hearts and in their minds. And I can tell you this about, about Coach Whitney. He is more concerned with the future of these young men than becoming great men of integrity and character, great husbands and fathers and living their life out that way. He's more concerned about that than he is winning a football game. And that's amazing. That's amazing. We need more Coach Whitney McCartney's in our community. Before God will do anything significant in our lives, there must be a shift in how we see ourselves. Some say, I'm not a leader, but God may see you differently. I'm going to tell you something. I see myself as someone who, who stutters all the time when he tries to talk and, and, and loses his train of thought real easy and is, gets real nervous when he has to get in front of people and talk. And yet, what am I doing week in and week out? I'm getting in front of people and I'm talking and I'm, 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 I'm not just in, in a pulpit but in other places. And things. God obviously saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. The same is true for each one of us in this room. I look at Moses And when God put this great mandate on his life and told him, you're going to do this, gave him a vision, the first thing Moses did was look at himself. I can't do that. I can't even talk plain plain, straight. And I'm supposed to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he began, instead of seeing himself, himself as God saw him, he began to look at his own weaknesses and his own struggles and his own problems and issues in his life. I look at Gideon who simply blamed his family tree. God can't do anything great through me. Look at what I came from. I don't know what your history is. I don't know who your parents or your grandparents were or the the mistakes that they made. But you're not that. And that's what God was saying to Gideon. Your future is going to be greater than your past. But too too many times we're just looking at ourselves. We're viewing ourselves as we see ourselves. Or maybe the label that other people have put on us. Instead of understanding this is what God says about me and viewing myself as he sees me. Could you just imagine what kind of difference we could make? If we all began to see ourselves as God sees us. If we could break free of the boundaries and the restrictions that we've allowed our current reality to dictate to us. Many people think that becoming a Christian is just some form of purchasing life, I mean, fire insurance or life insurance. If I, if I walk the aisle and I repeat the prayer, then I've got my, I've got my ticket now and I'm going to heaven and that's, that's, that's the end of my Christian journey. Absolutely not. Becoming a Christian is a decision to steward over God's original intent and purpose for my life. No matter what has happened or where you've been, God's not done with you yet. If you're still breathing, he still has a purpose for your life. Our plans may have changed, but his didn't. His vision for our life, it remains and it is forever. Whatever God has given you or equipped you with, you still have it. It's still there. There are many of us who at one time had a vision maybe in our lives. We had that passion. We had that drive. We saw things for our future. But we kind of lost the vision along the way. We've we've set it aside. We've we've allowed too much condemnation or failure in our lives. And we've 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 not picked it back up again. And we feel unworthy and we feel like a failure. And many have thought they'll just ride this thing out in the back seat. Someone else can steer this thing for a while. I'm just inadequate. I'm not capable. I'm too big of a failure. My my past is too awful. There's no way that vision can ever come to fruition now. God wants us to pick ourselves up and to restore that vision that was once in our hearts. Bring it back alive again and to walk in the spirit of faith toward all the things that he has for us. And that he has in mind for us. And the way that he sees us. 
in our future. I, I love this thing that used to happen at mom and daddy's house all the time. doesn't happen anymore. But when the kids were a little smaller, uh, especially the boys, Abram and Crayman, uh, they would go back in the back hallway and daddy would be sitting over in his recliner, papa would be sitting over in his recliner, and, uh, you know, Cray Man was going to be an MMA fighter, you know, and, and, uh, and Abram wanted to be a bull rider. And, and so he, he, they would get back in the back hallway, and, and Daddy, Papa, was the announcer. And he was going to introduce them to make their entrance. Ladies and gentlemen, all the fans of the NFR, Abram Bates is here. He's been to the NFR four times. He's the world champion. Would you give a rousing applause today for Abram Bates? You know, and, and he's building it up and he's, he's talking and he's, he's get, being way more theatrical than I'm even being right now. And they're sitting back there and they're just waiting for their moment. And then he comes out and he makes a circle for the crowd and the crowd's going wild in the living room and everybody's going crazy for Abram. And he, and he goes back and he says, do it again, Papa. See, it wasn't really about bull riding. None of them ever rode the bull. None of them ever fought the other MMA fighter. They just wanted to hear what Papa said about them. Can you just get in the heart and the mind of that little boy in the back room listening to Papa? That's what Papa thinks about me. That's how Papa sees me. And their chest begin to swell. And they begin to see themselves in a way that otherwise they didn't, because they were listening to Papa. You know what the sad thing is? That doesn't happen very much at our house anymore. You know why? Because the boys are growing up. They're maturing a little bit. They're living life a little more. They've learned, they've gone to school now, and they've been bullied a little bit maybe, or they've had life things happen, and it's just not as fun anymore. They're too cool for that now maybe. I don't know. But I thought it's true for us. You know what's sad for us? We grew up. What's sad for us is we, we matured. We experienced some life. We had some failures. We messed things up. We, we, we butchered some relationships. We, we, we did all this. And now we're guarded. Now we're too cool for school. And we become protective. And we begin to shut things down that otherwise should have been loosed in our lives. Like our imaginations. That place where we begin to think about and entertain the possibilities of our future. And it all starts with us thinking of ourselves differently than we thought about ourselves in the past. To see the vision of God come to life, come alive in our lives. I'm, I'm, I'm closing Jesus looked at a guy named Simon and he gave him an assignment. He gave him a vision for his future. And along with that, he literally said, not only do I have a vision for your future, I've got a name to go with that vision. I'm going to give you a new name. From now on, you will be called Peter. We often refer to him as Simon Peter. Jesus gave him the name Peter because Jesus said in the past... In the past, you've been like a reed shaken in the wind. You, you, you've been moved by every little thing that happened in life. You've gone with the flow or the current trends. You, you've let the people around you 
uh, dictate to you how you're going to live your life and how you're going to respond to the things of life. You fly off the handle so easily. You have anger issues. You're emotionally charged all the time. But because I don't see you like that. I think that's... Because, see, Jesus is speaking to him while that is still his current reality. While he's still grabbing swords and chopping off ears of soldiers. And while he's still cursing and he's still doing all these things. Jesus saw something in him that he didn't even see in himself. He says, because I don't see you like that, I'm going to give you a new name. I see you as solid as a rock. Everything in your life says that's not who you are. All of your actions say that's not who you are. Everything about your past says that's not who you are. But this is who I say you are. You are solid as a rock. I see you as a man I can build my cause on. I, I see you as a man that I can build the purpose of my church on. And Simon Peter got his calling that day, and he got a new name. And that new name was how Jesus saw him. And history records that he had a complete paradigm shift at that point. And post-resurrection, we see a completely different guy than the guy we saw before. Post-resurrection, he was seeing himself now for the first time as God saw him, not as he seen himself. And everything changed in his life. Everything changed. He became this solid-as-a-rock leader who would not stop who would not quit, who defied all the odds for the cause of Christ. My third and final point that I wanted to bring out of this text today, God told Abram, he said, go walk around in the land. Just go walk around in the land. I I want you to walk around in the length and the width of the land. God is saying to him, go walk in around in the land of your future. Go see and experience and feel what this vision is all about. You haven't really ever been there before. Start thinking differently than you thought before. Start imagining things that you never imagined before. The reason we have to walk around in it is because vision has no immediate answers to the questions that arise in our current reality. Vision in itself doesn't know how it's going to become a reality just vision itself. Lots of vision has died in that place where questions arise that are motivated by the current reality. Well, how are we going to do that? There's no way we could do that. I don't have the resources to do that. There's no way. I don't have the manpower to do it. I don't have the the, the family tree. I don't have the pedigree. Can I just say to all of the visionaries in the room today, and if you're a friend or a confidant or a spouse a close loved one to a visionary today, can I just caution every one of us? Can I just say be very careful? Be careful not to kill the vision in the early stages. There are vision stealers in in our lives. God begins to birth something and there are people in our lives. They they mean well. They're not the enemy, but, but the enemy's using them in that moment to come and steal the vision out of your life. Be careful in those early stages where there may be are no real answers yet to the when and the how and the what. How are we going to afford it? You just got to walk around in it. You got to explore it in your mind. You got to pray on it every day. You got to to talk to the Lord about it on your way to work and on your drive home. I, I, I just can't help but think about the very, very early days of Life Church. We were, we were in a little bitty 
red brick church building out on Long Cedar Road. And it had, you've heard me say this a million times, it had this really thick, like crimson red shag carpet. It had glitter on the ceiling and big chandeliers. And it, it, it was nice. We were thankful. We were thankful for what God had given us. And I mean that in all sincerity, but, but it, it's kind of funny when you think about it now, you know. And I remember days for hours when I would lie and I would come and just literally lie on my face in the altar area of that little church. There was just a handful of us then at that time, a dozen or more, maybe 20 people, 25 people. I don't remember exactly during that time, but it was during that time. Can I, I don't want to sound too weird here, but can I tell you it was during that time that I saw this? I, I, I saw this. I saw you. Don't, don't think I'm weird because I'm saying that. I just believe that God began to birth a vision. But guess what? Can I tell you it doesn't stop with us? This isn't it. This isn't the end of it. That's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're, that's why we're always advancing things. And, because, and it's not about numbers. But it is about numbers. Because every number is a person. Every person is a minister. Every person has a calling. Every person is going to make a difference in their community. Every person is going to touch other lives. So guess what? It is about numbers. Not numbers for the sake of saying, well, we have 600 churches on Lee Street. No, no, no. I'm talking about it's numbers because that's 600 people that are now making a positive impact in the world around them. Vision certainly at some point will require us to answer the how and the where and the what. But in the early stages, in the early stages, we just have to begin to lift up our eyes from our current reality. Not let it define us and see things that are not there yet. Call those things that are not as though they are. And we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. And during those early stages, we have to begin to fan the flame of vision. Because it's in that place and time that hope comes, life comes, God comes near whenever we entertain the possibilities. When we say what seems impossible with man, we know is possible with God through Christ. I can do all things and whatever vision God puts in our life, he will bring whatever provision we need for it. So I'm just going to get out here and I'm just going to start walking around in the land. I'm just going to kick the tires for a little while. Where you are in your life right now, you've never been there before. Where you are in your calling and your ministry, and we believe that every person has a ministry. I believe that every person has a calling for their life. But guess what? Where you are in that calling right now, where I am in my calling right now, I've never been here before. You've never been here before. Where we are as a church, we've never been here before. So why don't we just start entertaining the possibilities? Why don't we just start lifting the lid of our faith? Why don't we just start stirring up and developing some vision in our hearts and our lives? Where you are in your marriage, you've never been here before. God's got greater things, but guess what? You're still hanging on. You're still here. You're still, you're still holding on to one another. It's going to be greater. Let God begin to stir up vision for your future, for your marriage. Your children are wayward. They're doing crazy stuff. They're, they're, they're ending up on drugs or in prison or whatever the case is. But don't give up. God put a vision in your heart for your child. Don't give up. Don't give up. Okay, I'm closing. I I think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I think about her at the wedding of Cana. Up to this point, Jesus hasn't performed a single miracle. 
Nothing like that has happened. There's been no creative miracle. Nothing, nothing like that has happened at this point. What was it inside of the mother of Jesus that could believe and think for the impossible when there was no precedence for it up to that point? And she goes up to her son and she says, they're out of wine. And we want the good stuff. I mean, like, she was, she was just arrogant about it. Like, she wasn't even, even going to beat around. We don't want boxed wine. <laughs> That's that courtesy chuckle. Like, some of you are like, I'm not supposed to know what that means. <laughs> I'm not supposed to know that that's the cheap stuff. But, like, I want, like, the 10-year-old, like, been sitting in a cellar in Russian Valley for the last 10 years. Cabernet Sauvignon. Pinot Noir. <laughs> I didn't go on to meddling now, had I? <laughs> a man with no vision. Uh, she says, we want the good stuff. And Jesus says, it's not time yet. It's not supposed to happen yet. She goes, no, it's time. When mama speaks, <laughs> you listen, even Jesus. <laughs> even Jesus knew the power of mama. I don't think I'm preaching on Mother's Day this year, but if I was, I'd talk about Mary and what mama can do. She can even change the heart of Jesus. That's, that's pretty amazing. Mamas, thank you, mamas. What seems impossible with us is possible with God. That day, they said, they saved the best wine for the last because he took water and he turned it into wine. I don't know what your water is today. They may be some old, in fact, I wish I could get into that and tell you the history of that, but actually they took the, the water basins where people literally washed their hands and their feet with. That was the water that Jesus took and converted to wine. Okay, I just started preaching another message and you didn't even get it, did you? All of your muddy water, all of your junk from yesterday, let him come and do the impossible and turn that nasty stuff into beautiful, aged Cabernet Sauvignon in your life. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or even imagine in our hearts and minds, according to the power that works in us. You know what that power in us is? It's vision. When we'll embrace vision, stir vision, look up from our current reality, see ourselves as God sees us, and then begin to walk, walk around in that vision. Even when the provision's not there yet, just walk around in it. Just live it, talk it, think it, pray it every day, every moment. It will come to fruition. If God brought the vision, he'll bring the provision. Would you stand with me to cross this room today? Father, we're so thankful for your presence and your peace that we experience and we feel whenever we come into your, into your throne room, Lord. Today, God, as your word has gone forth, as worship has gone up to you, we just believe that you've come to meet with us in a special way today. Today, God, my heart and my prayers for every one of us in this room individually, every family unit in this room, every marriage, every home, this house, God, our church family, God, that you will begin to renew and stir new vision in our hearts and lives. Maybe it's that vision for our life that you gave us many years ago, but life has gotten in the way. Failure and mistake has caused us to lay it aside. Today, God, we're picking it up. And we're saying, God, we want to move forward, and we want to move forward with you. We want to see your vision for our lives come to pass, come to fruition. And we just want to be obedient to you today, God. So we're lifting up our eyes from whatever our current reality is, whatever our current life and our past is telling us. 
we choose to embrace who you say that we are and you say that we are your children and that you love us unconditionally and that you have great plans and purpose for our future. And God, today, we're just going to walk around in it for a little while. We're just going to experience it. We're going to allow our minds, God, to, to be expanded, Lord, so that we can imagine things that we've never imagined before that we can see ourselves in places that we've never imagined, to see ourselves doing things for your kingdom purpose that we never thought was possible. Help us, God, to see that so that we can just begin to walk in it and live it and experience it. And we know, God, that you'll open every door. You'll open the doors that every man will try to close, God. You'll close the doors that man intends to, to see us walk through. Lord, you will make a way where there seems to be no way. We thank you for what you're doing even right now in our midst, in our church family. God, we believe that this is, a, this is a place where people can find destiny and purpose. They can find life, Lord, where there's hopelessness, God. We believe that through the ministry and the life of the people in this room, God, that you will infect this community with your love. So, God, I ask you to give us fresh vision for our church, for all that you've called us to do. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, would everyone together say amen. Can we give the Lord a great ovation of praise in this room today? Let's worship for a moment. Take my heart, take my life as a living
for every person in this room, the Lord would say to you, as this service is closing, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Father, go with us now. May the Holy Spirit of God overshadow us and overtake us. Move in our lives. Allow our lives to touch others. As we bless your name today, bless us that we might be a blessing. And it is in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful week.